This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. When we dreamed about this season, we really thought through not just great teachers on these subjects, but really people that embody these ideas that we're talking about. And we're talking about, if you're new here, we're talking about enemies to our mind. We're talking about the way the enemy is coming against us as a generation. And I would say there are big swath issues that I see that many of us are fighting. And one of those issues is anxiety. There's no getting around it. The numbers are astounding. And we're talking at a chemical level, at a diagnosable level. But honestly, almost everybody I know struggles with this to some degree. And so I actually brought on my friend, Julie Manning, who many of you know from If Gathering. She's recited scripture at If Gathering, I say reciting, memorized so much scripture. It's unbelievable. And she's up there bringing the word. But she's also been in almost every book I've written, I think, just about, and partly because of what we're going to talk about today. And that is that of any of my friends that should have the most anxiety, it's Julie Manning. And some of the reasons for that, I remember being in New York and she was reminding me and teaching me how to use her nitroglycerin. Just in case anything were to happen, she like showed us all where her nitroglycerin is because she could have a heart attack at any point and her heart would just stop working. And yet she is the most peaceful friend that I have. So I wanted to bring on somebody that has chosen a different way to live. So I know you're going to love today. Okay, Julie, let's go back. Let's talk. First of all, I want to tell everybody, I'm sitting here eating sushi at my kitchen table a minute ago, and Chloe looks at me. We're in the middle of a long day of interviews and different things, and she goes, so your next guest is at the door right now. And I was like, what? And I get up, because Julie is one of my very best friends, and I left her. I moved to Dallas from Austin. You did leave me. And so... Anyway, now we're like planning out our evening together because she's here. She's surprise. in Dallas. The best surprise. The best surprise. Speaking of, I mean, we just were talking about unannounced guests. I'm like, it's my it's my love language. So it makes me really happy. Okay, so we're going to talk, though, about your life and your perspective. So let's start with when did you find out you had a heart condition? I found out that my heart was not functioning normal about 10 years ago. I was giving birth to our second son, Hunter. And during the C-section, I went into a really bad heart rhythm, and thankfully I came out of that spontaneously, but it led to a lot of workup and testing and things like that on my heart. And the day of his birth, everything checked out fine, but six weeks later, I was in full-blown heart failure. We were talking about if I don't get stabilized on medications, what does it look like to get a heart transplant? A few weeks later after that, going in for a heart procedure because my heart rhythm was still not in a good spot to try to help it and get rid of it, I basically coded and had to be shocked a few times to be brought back. And so I woke up with burn marks on my chest from the defibrillator shocking me. 
And life kind of changed at that moment. So Julie, at that point, tell me what was going through your mind. You have a brand new baby, your second. And what what were your fears? What were you thinking when they told you all of this? My first reaction is, are we really talking about me? I had always been very competent, very driven, very achiever-like. And I, you know, also had a background, will continue to take care of children who have hearts that were not formed normally. And so I was already working in pediatric cardiology and I was in an ICU setting. And so for a split second, I thought, oh, we're not talking about me. We're talking about one of my patients. And then I sit down in a chair and I'm like, oh no, this is my heart, my life, my family, Mm -hmm. my children that I'm staring at. And at the time, Noah was 20 months old, Hunter was six weeks old, and I didn't know if I'd see them go to kindergarten. Mm. It was that type of moment. And they kind of alluded, I mean, over the next months, some more things would happen, we'll talk about it, but they kind of alluded to you might not see them go to kindergarten. They said, this is life expectancy. Yeah. I mean, once your heart is damaged, and my heart had been damaged, as an adult, you don't really create new heart cells. They are what they are. And so medicine helps to stabilize them. But at that point in time, we didn't know if medicine would help or if I would continue to get worse. I mean, when you're labeled at risk for dying suddenly, you kind of know that, okay, well, a heart only beats so many times in a lifespan. My heart has just gotten damaged. So what does that look like for me? And, you know, I look back now and I'm like, oh, gosh, I got 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'm like, maybe I have another 10 years. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but it also, you know, took a journey to realize that, God's the one that causes my heart to beat, and my life is not my own, and he's the one that defines the length of my life, Mm -hmm. and God has given me peace with that. It took a while to get there, but God's given me peace with that. So for perspective for all of you, Julie wears a medical bracelet. She, her kids know how to call 911. There is a reality to your life that all of us think about occasionally. We don't think about it every time we're with you, but there is a reality to your life that every day is a gift. And I know you feel like that should be how all of us live. You you don't see it. You're like, well, I know my condition, but we're all on borrowed time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My life is no different than anyone else's. Yeah. But from an outsider looking in, it definitely is pretty amazing. And so fast forward, that was in the end of the story. At that point, you started medicine, you started treatment, and then let's talk about what happened next. Goodness, those next few months... I fell into a place of darkness and depression, one that I hid. I even hid it from my husband. Still wrestling with, gosh, I should be competent. I shouldn't be struggling with these what ifs. I shouldn't be struggling with pushing the kids down the street in a stroller. What if I collapse there and what happens to them? Or is this the last time I'm going to see John when he walks out the door to work? But I did. I went down and spiraled the whole what if circle, right? And... That led to darkness, and it led to me staring at my Bible on my bedside table versus actually reading it. Why do you think that was your reaction? I think because I knew I should have been reading it, but I didn't want to. I wanted to just sit there for a while. And this from my friend who texts me every single morning, including Sundays, with a passage of scripture she's reading that day. So I'm kind of in shock, Julie, because I didn't know this, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I need it now. What God showed me in that season, looking back in hindsight, is that even when I wasn't pursuing after God, He was pursuing after me. He has used friendships who, you know, and this was 10 years ago, the iPhone, I mean, maybe it did exist. I don't know. I didn't have one. 
more people left notes on our doorstep or wrote emails. Mm -hmm. And my friends were the ones that were sharing scripture with me versus me pursuing after it, if that makes sense. So I really look back and I see God pursuing after me through the use of my friends Mm -hmm. in our community at that time who were loving on us and wanted to point me to truth even when I felt like I was in a dark hole. My eyes were closed and it was just dark. My friends sending me scripture was a way to get me to start to open my eyes and to look for light in the dark places. So there was a really present fear of death. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was afraid that if I were to fall asleep at night, I wouldn't wake up in the morning. That was very real then. Okay, let's go forward 15 months later. Mm-hmm. So I'll back up a little bit. So, you know, it's Christmas time and everybody sends out these Christmas cards. And John says, well, why don't you, you know, a lot's been going on these last few months. Why don't we write a Christmas letter this year? And so I thought, well, why don't I try to pull out my inner humor, which isn't much, but try <laughs> to make a this. light, a light feeling letter to our friends to let them know everything's okay. We're in a better place. When I wasn't, I was totally lying. And he looked at the letter that I wrote and he just closed the computer and said, that's not it. And I got really mad. And I just remember being frustrated because I knew he was right and I knew I was wrong and I needed to be honest and open with friends about where I was and what had happened and how we're doing as a family. I didn't want to just put this picture-perfect Christmas card together to send out when everything wasn't picture-perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had written the letter. It took me like 10 minutes to write it and I was bawling while I was typing it up. But he read it and he was like, this is it. And so that semester at church, I was taking a class, and during one of the requirements at the end of the class was for us to get up and share what had God been teaching us through the class and where was God taking us through the curriculum that we were going through. And I decided the best way for me to articulate what was on my heart was to read that Christmas letter out loud. So I shared that with this community that I had been walking through the last few months with And after that, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's freeing to be able to confess out loud what I had been holding on inside. And I get up from that class and I walk to go get our kids from the nursery area, the toddler area where they were being taken care of during service. And I mean, I picked up Noah and at that point in time, I think he may have just turned three years old. And if you know three-year-old little boys, they don't stand next to mom's leg or hold hands. They just go sprinting off. (laughs) And Noah that morning stood next to me and he walked all the way down the hallway to go get Hunter, who was our second son. He was about 15 months old at the time. And when I went in to sign him out, I just had this increasing pressure in my chest and this pressure in my neck and I couldn't breathe. I was signing my name to get him out. And I said, I can't get them to my car on my own. Can you help me? And then I was like, oh, no, no, actually dial 911 because I'm about to collapse. And then I dropped to the floor in front of like 25 kids. And, you know, one of my worst nightmares, something that I was fearing was that I would collapse and something would happen to me in front of my children. And that's exactly what happened. So anyway, so that day I had suffered a heart attack and was taken to the hospital and underwent more testing and all that stuff. And so that was your worst fears come true. I mean, everything was happening. And now it wasn't like an episode where you'd get up and, oh, that was a, that was a close call. You would go on to live with that fear and that reality mm-hmm. that that could happen again. Yep. Where are you now with that? Well, God has been very kind and he has brought me to a place where 
I no longer fear what's going to happen to my kids if I die early, right? And I'm not, you know, at this point in time, our youngest one will start kindergarten next year. But if I don't see them graduate high school, I know they're going to be okay. The way that God has walked with me through the storms and the hard places in the valleys, he's going to walk with them through their hard times and their storms and their valleys. Like God has brought me to a place to know that God loves them more than I love them. And he is trustworthy over their lives, just like he's trustworthy over my life. God's got them. Julie tells me all the time that if that day ever comes, which I pray it doesn't, but if it ever comes, not be sad to go celebrate. And I'm like, that is easy for you to say. <laughs> like, you're going to be in heaven with Jesus and we are going to be sure without you. And I'm like, I can't. You are part of the group of people God's put in my life to hold my faith in place. I mean, you have seen me through seasons of doubt. You have seen me through seasons of fear. You've seen me through seasons of even fear of death. I remember looking at you once and we were sitting across from each other and I looked at you because I was struggling with doubt at the time. And I said, are you 100% sure? <laughs> you remember? I do. Are you 100% sure when we die that there's a God and there's a heaven? I know this sounds crazy, you guys, because some of you have been with me for a long time and I'm a Bible teacher for crying out loud. Like my faith <laughs> is really big and it is. But I still struggle with doubt sometimes and certainly did back then. I don't as much anymore. But what'd you say? I'm 100% sure. You I'm looked right at me. I mean, it was like intense. You were like, I am 100% sure. And why? Why are you so sure? Because I know it. I felt it. I've seen it. Yeah. He's real. He's better than anything. He's the peace giver and he's the healer. He is everything. And he knows that he's the best thing for us. And that's why he sent Jesus to pursue after us. Because he knew that one, his son, Jesus, and his blood was the only thing that was going to bring us back to him. And he knows God's the best for us. So why not live for him? So I want you to talk about what you mean. Because you have faced death. I always say, people that have faced death get to tell us to not be afraid. Like, you get to. You get to say that because you faced it head on. Well... I was in a C-section. And this was the first heart incident. This was the first heart incident when Hunter was being born. I wasn't feeling well. I was feeling lightheaded and dizzy. And because, again, all my nursing history of being in a cardiac ICU, like I just looked over to my heart monitor and I saw that I was in a bad heart rhythm. And I went into VTAC for eight or nine beats. And I thought, gosh, they might have to do CPR on me. But that's the last thing I remember thinking. And I passed out. What I remember, and I can close my eyes and like just get back to that place, was that I was surrounded by brightness. I was surrounded by peace that I did not have to even say goodbye to my husband, who's the love of my life. And I never even had to lay eyes on Hunter. Where I was and the presence of God over me was enough for me to be like, he's all I want. God's all I want. It took me a long time to be able to confess that out loud of what I experienced in that moment. And I don't even know how long it was. I just remember waking up with two anesthesiologists shaking my shoulders, trying to get me to open my eyes. But it was a point of where, like, I know God is real. I know he has me. And I felt guilty for saying that it was okay for me to go in that moment and not be able to say goodbye to my loved ones because God was better mm. than anything my loved ones could ever give me, anything better than any friendship. I want Jesus. I want mm. God. I want his presence and his brightness and his glory because he's worth it all. And so is there heaven? Is there God? Absolutely. I know when all is said and done this side of heaven, we will be there and he will create a new heaven and a new earth and we will be in the presence of God's glory forever. And I remember 
another story I write about, I think in Restless, is about being in the waiting room with you after you've said goodbye to Sarah Henry, who ended up living, Mm -hmm. um, but had a massive stroke. And we thought that would be the day she died. We all said goodbye to her that day. And you walked out and you were teary. And I said, why are you crying? Do you remember what you said? You what said, did I say? You said, I'm jealous. Oh, yeah. There was a peace over you so great that you knew she would go to be with Jesus and that that was better. Mm-hmm. You're convinced. Yeah. I also told her it was okay. Because mm. Sarah at the time had young kids too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Julie, I, I think everybody listening right now is going, okay, so this is intense to live with this. But you're not an intense person. You're one of the happiest go-lucky people I know in the world. So talk about you on a given day, like your little bouncy self and like what it looks like to walk with this reality, but also lighthearted. There's something about you that is nearly whimsical. Like you are just that joyful and bouncy and happy and almost childlike faith. Like there's something so, yeah, I wish everybody knew you. And I like to giggle. (laughs) she likes to giggle I like to giggle and laugh and smile and have fun with my kids I like to tell people that my like in regards to my kids I want them to know two things I want them to know that Jesus loves them and I want them to know that I love them Mm. and so I want to be present with them I want to linger a little bit longer at bedtime giving back scratches even though I selfishly want to go climb in bed myself Mm -hmm. I want to write them meaningful notes and prayers over them for their lunch boxes. I don't know. I just want to be with them and experience their childhood alongside them. And hanging out with kids is a lot of fun. And so it makes, not that we don't have, you know, I forget about the responsibilities because Lord knows I see a lot with my job. But when I'm at home with them, like I want to be the 10-year-old kid playing basketball in the backyard laughing and not mm-hmm. having a care That's in the world are. other than the spelling world words he needs to memorize yeah. for his Friday test. Oh, you know? And that, oh, that sums you up so well. Yeah, that's exactly who you are. You just, you're so present. You're so present. Okay, let's go back to when things changed spiritually for you. What did that look like? Because certainly by the time I met you, you were still saying something that I think you decided to stop saying at year five. But you would say all the time, you would if say, God wills. yes, you would say, if God wills. And so we, we'd make plans like, oh, hey, let's, let's get lunch next week. And you would say, if God wills. And you weren't <laughs> kidding. Like there was some sobriety to that statement for you. It was just, yes, you were so present in life and in taking life in, but you lived at that point in your life. I would say till year five. I was still scared. Yeah. I was still, well, I want to be a woman of my word. So I still struggle with this. Like, I don't want to say, oh, yeah, let's plan that trip in eight months, you know, because I don't know if I'll be around in eight months, you know. So, like, I don't want to make promises that I can't keep. And so that's kind of where that. We understand. I know. (laughs) But anyways, I just, it helps me remember the brevity of life. I don't want to forget the nearness of God to me in that season when I was really wrestling and wondering if I'd ever come out of darkness. I don't want to forget the nearness of God. And so saying things like that reminds me that I can't take life for granted because I feel like we can, we all go through hard things. You know, it doesn't have to be devastating things, right? I mean, there are devastating things that happen. We lose our loved ones. We lose our children. We lose our homes and finances and all that kind of stuff. Or we just have a hard kid, right? 
you get worn down by children or worn down by work or worn down by family or whatever it is, God's with us in those things. The further removed we are from being in the midst of the really hard things, I feel like we can just kind of shift back to independence, shift back to, oh, I got this. Yeah, I love Jesus, but I may not need him every day. I don't need him to help me make school lunches in the morning or you know, drive the kids to school or do laundry another time, you know, and I need to need him. Mm. I'm desperate to need him and I don't ever want to live not desperate for him again. Mm. Some of the ways that's played out for you are kind of funny. I mean, they weren't (laughs) funny at the time, but you, and I I called it this in Restless, you have like a flood demon. Oh, we had a lot of water. (laughs) But it wasn't like the same type of water. It was like, different types of floods it was in different houses i mean it was weird it was clean pipe water flooding it was outdoor rainwater flooding but it there was were the poopy water coming up out of the sewer flooding right it, none it of was, it was the same it's not like you just have like a you're in a floodplain or something i mean this is unique flood no we live on These top are, of the hill yeah so it's absolutely crazy how many floods you've had and some of them have resulted in you having to move out of your house and have it completely Gutted. Gutted. Mm-hmm. With young children into an apartment. <laughs> and I remember when you moved into the apartment, we came and saw you pretty fast after that. And I remember th- you were like, oh, it's an adventure. This is fun. I was like, Julie, are you okay? You were like, I'm great. I've got, I mean, no, sorry. Let me get your voice right. <laughs> I'm great. Like, it's like joy. <laughs> like sheer, like, it's so sincere. It is so, again, nearly whimsical. I'm great. Like, and you meant it. And and I think everybody listening is going, gosh, I get anxious about, you know, my kid getting into a school that I want him to go to, or I get anxious about what I'm going to wear to a party. Like everybody listening is thinking, I get anxious about small little things that really, you know, but you're sitting there having to move out of your house with young toddlers into an apartment and you are great. Talk about how this whole experience has shaped your view of even small inconveniences, which that's not one, that's not a small inconvenience, but you are a little bit like Paul the Apostle Paul, and we were like, ah, it's temporary when it's talking about like shipwrecks and <laughs> big things, you know? I think it's just the perspective of life and death, to be honest. I know people get anxious about throwing kids' birthday parties or getting all the errands run or, you know, everyday life things, whether it's traffic or school projects, stress from work, etc. Like, I get that. But God's given me a perspective of like, In the grand scheme of things, those things are really little. So let's step back, take a deep breath, and it'll all work out. Do you have to do that still? With the flood. Sometimes. That was a dramatic one. The flood was a little dramatic. I might have climbed up on a chair rigged on top of a box to try to save a few things and might have fallen off of that because I was like, oh, that's really important. I don't want to lose that to water. You know? I mean, in those moments, absolutely. Like, Yeah. But- I also spend 30 hours a week in a cardiac ICU holding mommies who just lost their children or prescribing medications and listening and assessing a child and I show up the next day and they've passed away that evening. That helps bring perspective to my life to say, you know what, if I forget, which I have, I have forgotten to make school lunches and just sent my kids off to school and I'll be like, That might stress some people out. And I'm like, you know what? The teachers are not going to let my kids go hungry. Mm -hmm. If they need to buy a school lunch that day, it'll all work out. And I will 
pay somebody their $5 per kid to get them school lunches because my loss of short-term memory doesn't pan out that day. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, I don't know, God has placed me in, he's given me personal history. He's placed me in my job for a reason. He's placed me in these situations where he keeps giving me perspective, Mm. you know? And that's one of my prayers that I pray really often is that, God, I want to see this world through the eyes that you see it. When I surrender to the Lord in the morning and you, you know, you say I text you scripture every day, which is true. I haven't always done that. But really in the last couple of years, God's word has become oxygen to my soul. You know, just like we have to have breath in our lungs to breathe and our heart needs electricity to beat. Like I need God's word first thing in the morning so that I know who I am and what my life is in perspective to God seeing this world. And I don't want to be, like scripture says, the person that looks in the mirror and then turns away and forgets who they mm-hmm. are. I have to look in the mirror because I know my sin. I know myself. I will turn away from that mirror and I will forget who I am. Mm-hmm. And I will turn back into the independent person that I was before I was humbled through a health illness. And so that's why I need God's word. I'm sitting here thinking about the verse to live as Christ and to die as gain that Paul wrote and how well you live that. I mean, how I think that's what it is. What I loved about studying Paul recently for this project was his perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that defines how Paul said all the crazy things he said was he just had a whole different perspective. And it was that life is short and that he would die and it would be a gain. Mm-hmm. It would not be a loss. And I think that's where you model that reality. You know, I think what is faith, the definition of it is evidence of things hoped for, you know, and I think you are that for me. You are evidence when you're, when I see your faith, you are evidence of the things that we both with 100% certainty know are coming. When you think about heaven, when you think about being with Jesus, Mm -hmm. what do you think of? Peace and joy and being satisfied, Mm. not needing anything else. Everything's going to be taken care of there. Mm Mm-hmm. There was an acquaintance that passed away from cancer the day after Thanksgiving. And her saying was living life on purpose. You know, she battled for three years. She was young, 10 years younger than me. She lived her life on purpose. I want to do that here. When you are living your life on purpose in light of the gospel, that means you have to focus on things other than yourself. When your eyes are seeing this world through the lens of how God sees them, which you're only going to gain that vision if you're spending time in God's Word and paying attention to the Holy Spirit that fills you, things become a lot more peaceful. Mm. And your trust in the Lord grows. Mm -hmm. And trusting God, not yourself, lowers the anxiousness that you can experience. Because we're anxious because we know we can't do it all ourselves, right? But if... We're trusting in a God who is able. He lifts the anxiousness away. Yes. And isn't it funny? I mean, everybody listening, you won't think it's funny. It's your real life. It's your brain. It's who you are. But isn't it crazy listening to someone who should be the most anxious and they're the exact opposite? Like that's the beautiful evidence of God in you, Julie, is that you're one of the least selfish people I know. So what would you say to everybody listening right now that says, I don't know how to stop. 
I don't know. I want to stop today. I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to retrain my mind. I don't know how to think differently. And I want to. Well, how it worked for me was I opened up God's Word and I started finding verses that would battle against the thoughts that were going through my head that were not from Him. Mm. It was staring in the mirror and staring at His truth being reflected back at me and believing that truth and begging God on my knees to make that truth stick in my brain Mm. so that the what-if thoughts that were going on in my head would be pushed out and replaced by the truth of God's Word. Mm. And that's why I need it so much, is because we don't just overcome anxiety or anxious thoughts or what-if thoughts one time. As long as we're here on earth, those thoughts are going to be replaced, and they may change, right? What I'm struggling with right now or what I'm going through now is going to be different next week or next year or however far in the future. But God's Word never changes, and God's Word can overlay all of those thoughts, all of those circumstances, all of those situations and hardships or everyday life things that cause us a little angst and sweaty armpits. Well, and what you're saying is it's Jesus. <laughs> and I think we want self-help. I think we want something, you know, to just fix us. We mm-hmm. want something that's just a button we can push or a pill we can take. And again, I'm not against medicine. Everybody knows that that mm-hmm. listens. But at the same time, we want it to be easy. We want that to be all we have to do. Mm-hmm. And it's... You know, it's Jesus. So our job is to trust, but we also have to get to work. Right. God talks about the armor of God. Right. And that was my reading this morning was in Mm -hmm. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. That's Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Yeah, that's my text from Julie Manning this morning. (laughs) Well, and my response to that was that, here, read it, because you got it. Then you wrote, be strong in the strength of his might. How am I to be strong? By my own might? By my own willpower? By my own emotions? No, by his strength. Yes, I have the role and the job of getting dressed and equipped with his armor, but to be strong in his might looks like surrender, a softened heart, a responsive heart, a desire for the filling of the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit fills me, life becomes less about me and more about Christ, living for him, a soldier in his battle, fighting against the real enemy. Now everybody's going to wish they were on your text stream. (laughs) What got me this morning was that how many times do we wrestle with God? God, this isn't going right. This shouldn't have happened to me. How many times are we wrestling with God when we're like, you know what? God is on your team. Like, Mm -hmm. right? Like we say that all the time to our kids. We're like, what's your last name? Manning. What's your last name? Manning. Okay, then stop fighting. You're on the same team. It's not worth it, right? If we would spend less time wrestling with God over, well, this didn't go right, or I didn't get that job promotion, or I thought you meant we needed to go here, but doors aren't opening that direction, like, and actually realized who our enemy is, like, God is not our enemy. God is for us, not against us, and he is on our team. So why don't you put on the armor of God and fight with him against the real enemy? And so that was my response. Well, and I think the other thing that that suggests is that anxiety is less when you realize, oh, wait, maybe that door closed for a reason. Maybe I'm supposed to walk this direction because God wants me over here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember feeling that with Austin and we wrote as we were leaving. I remember writing, I think Zach wrote it in a letter 
this is the first time God's led us through disappointment in a big way like that, like a move for our entire family of six, where it just felt like rather than favor, where it was like, oh, God opening doors and saying, this is where you should go. He was closing doors left and right. Mm -hmm. And it felt like darkness. And it didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, this is an open door. It just felt like all these doors are closed. Yet that was God leading too. And so Mm -hmm. I think that part of anxiety when you're talking about fighting against God is saying, I don't think you know what's best. You know, I know what's better, which is really crazy. We're ludicrous. Yeah. But we all do that. Yeah, we do. So we have a choice. That is really the theme of this book. We have a choice that that God died in the form of Jesus to make a way for us to have a choice. Like that was the ultimate goal is our freedom to choose a better way, that we're freed from sin, we're freed from death. And so I want you to talk about that choice for you because it certainly hasn't been easy to choose to not fear. I mean, that is not what you're saying here. No, it is facing your fears, but knowing who is behind you facing those fears with you. And that's God. You don't face them alone. He's always with you. I think about David and Goliath and how much faith David had. I don't think I would have said, oh, yeah, David, I'm, I'll go up there with a slingshot and defeat oh, this giant. I like, disagree. I feel like I would be like <laughs> scared to death going no, you up wouldn't. there. You know? But You'd be David. I know you. Oh, stop. <laughs> I do. But th- those are our fears, right? Yeah. And we have to trust that what, God has given us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through God Almighty. Hello, God Almighty. No, we can face our fears and work through them. And God is faithful to carry us through that to the other side. Does it take discipline? Yes. Do I still have what if thoughts that go through my mind today? Absolutely, I do. But you know what? I stop myself after the second what if thought versus the 20th what if thought. And so it's been a process for me and having to be disciplined about it in order to move through and actually start finding freedom to where I can honestly look at you. And granted, yes, there's been a lot of time that passed. But 10 years ago, I was a different person. Mm-hmm. I was living in that fear. And now I can be like, it's okay. Mm. It's okay. Well, it's not okay with me <laughs> if you go home yet. So... I want you to stay. You know, I'm competitive, so I'm going to get there first. I know. You're all about it. And I'm like, no, (laughs) no, no. I am so grateful for your life. You have changed my life. You continue to change my life. And that's why you can't go home yet. So you all need to, right now, go to Amazon and you need to get Julie's book. Julie tells this story. And it was a brave endeavor for you to write that book. You were kind of against the whole process, but you also knew obediently God was calling you to do it. And the book is called My Heart, Every Beat Surrendered to an Unchanging God. And it is her story. It is so powerful. It's a picture of my friend. It's a, it's a you know, people say all the time, I wish I had, a, you know, because I write about you so much. People always say, I wish I had a friend like Julie. I'm like, well, you get a little piece of her here. So um, <laughs> y'all go get that. Because I do think this is how we change. This is how we change. The antidote, the weapon that we have to fight anxiety with is trust. It is. And that trust does fall not in a perfect life working out or in God taking care of everything here. It's that he ultimately destroy the thing that we fear the most. If we don't fear death anymore, if if we don't fear, you know, Paul didn't fear death anymore. He was so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Julie, that's how you live. You live dangerously. You live on mission. You live surrendered. There's a wake behind you. 
of lives that are changed simply because you believe God and live like that. Hey, Julie, as we close, will you pray for everybody listening, specifically those that are listening, feeling anxious right now and wanting that to shift? Absolutely. Jesus, I just thank you for being our God. I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you are always near, even when you feel somewhat far away. God, I pray over every single soul that is listening today. God, would you tangibly touch their lives in such a manner that they would feel your peace surround them and consume them. God, would you send your Holy Spirit to fill them, to push out the thoughts of fear and anxiety. God, and replace them with your truth. Soften their hearts in such a way of surrender before you, releasing control, putting their trust in a God that is more than trustworthy, a God that never fails, a God that is pursued us all the way to the cross. Mm-hmm. Lord Jesus, we trust you. Draw us near in your embrace. Would you comfort and would you clothe us in such a manner that we can stand before you surrendered and yet clothed with your strength and your armor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, just because it is February 2020, it is not too late to start listening to a Bible in a year plan. I don't know you're anything like me, sometimes it's hard for me to make it past Leviticus, but guys, the Dwell app has helped change that. It is a new way to listen to the Bible. You can choose your narrator's voice. You can change the music in the background from cello to guitar to ambient music. I just love listening to it at night as I'm falling asleep or as I'm driving in the morning, commuting or driving the kids to school. So we want you guys to know about this. If you go to dwellapp.io, slash Jenny, you can get 10% off the yearly plan and listen to the Bible on the go. So we hope you enjoy that. Thanks for joining us today for the Made for This podcast. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.